0: You know, we have a lot of brand new preppers coming in after some of the things that have happened in the last two years or so.
1: Oh, absolutely. In fact, droves of them, a lot of folks are looking differently at what preparedness really means.
0: Yeah, but you know, a lot of folks that want to get into preparedness, they still see some folks having a stigma toward prepping, and they're afraid that they'll look crazy or they'll look paranoid.
1: Well, you know, a lot of the movies have made people look that way. A lot of television shows have characterized preppers or preparedness as a wackadoodle a doodle lifestyle full of tin hatters and bomb shelters and conspiracy theorists and not much more. Raving lunatics, basically, is kind of how they depict people. And I think some folks think that's what it's really about, but it's not.
0: So we're talking today about how to get started prepping. Without acting crazy or paranoid. Right. And we'll talk about that when we come back.
1: Welcome to the Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better. Because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, listening to Practical Prepping Podcast. We've had a lot going on in our family, and uh, we've been a bit absent here and there, but we've had some things going on, and we're kind of excited.
0: And we did say on the last episode that we would have some fantastic new news for you, and you want to tell them about it?
1: Well, it's official now. We have added a grandson to the family, and we'll explain. Our daughter, Randy, is a foster parent. She and her husband are foster parents, and they have had several children of various ages over the years come through their home on the foster program. This one particular little baby, the day he was born, they basically took possession of him, Mm -hmm. and they have had this young little boy, baby boy, in their home. For 18 months.
0: 577 days.
1: Now, they started considering adoption months ago, maybe even a year ago, because he was just really becoming entrenched in the family. And it just, you know how it is, it's just a special... Kind of relationship and they could really see themselves being the adoptive parents to this little boy. So they got the ball rolling on the adoption. The adoption was permitted and we had a ceremony yesterday where his name was officially changed so that he could reflect the family name.
0: And that was the final adoption hearing. That's where the judge granted the motion of adoption.
1: And it closes the case. Right.
0: And we referred to it as a name change ceremony. I mean, at that point.
1: Right. It was just
0: a formality. It
1: wasn't a welcome to the family because he's been a part he's of this family. He's been group. there
0: since day one.
1: So we're overjoyed and excited to have our newest grandson as part of the family, and his name is Tucker, and we're just delighted over him. We're just, everybody's in love with him when they meet him, and we're so happy for his family, and we're so happy for his two older brothers, our other grandsons. Now, they've been treating him like the baby brother that he is, and so everything was just official Mm -hmm. yesterday. So we're so appreciative of the foster program in general. Tell them a little bit about how that works, Mark.
0: I'll say this, too. On our Facebook page for Practical Prepping, we will post a picture of Tucker. Yes. Because we can now do that. We've called him Baby Bear, and what happened is every photo of him that went on to – the facebook or anything else randy had to put a little sticker over his face of and she used a little baby bear
1: right there's privacy laws that are enacted in the foster and adoptive process so
0: i i kind of said he was in the witness protection program
1: (laughs) like,
0: but we could not identify him and we could not show his face But the foster parent program, and she is our second daughter, which has been involved in the foster parent program, and these can be anything from, we need a place for this child tonight. It can be a safety plan program for where they need to be out of the home for a few days or a week. But these children need love, and they need safety. They need to feel safe, and they need to feel love. And these are programs that are operated through your local Department of Human Resources. It's your county DHR.
1: Or social services. Or social services.
0: I mean, there's any number of ways, but I can tell you for sure, call your county Department of Human Resources, and they can tell you how to get involved in the foster parent program. And so, so, so many people are needed in that program.
1: Oh, there's definitely not enough in the parent role. So there's always room for someone who obviously you have to submit to a naturally a background check and you've got to pass muster, as it were. They're not just going to send these children to just anybody. So you've got to qualify. But there's room for so many people to qualify. And don't let the the attachment situation deter you. If you're really feel called to this, getting attached to these children is exactly what needs to take place in order for the love and the foster care to work. Some of these children do wind up being adopted by the foster parent. And both of the daughters who have been involved, they have both adopted through being a foster parent. Mm -hmm. And now they're an adoptive parent. And it's just a wonderful experience to enhance the family and to you know, just just be the love of God and be the love of Christ to these children and bring them into your home.
0: And they've just been extra grandchildren to us.
1: Absolutely. It's so much fun.
0: And and the attachment thing, we've had children in their homes for as much as like six or eight months. Of course. And we had to say bye. We we had to cry and console each other. Mm -hmm. But our family has known that many times that we would have to do that still worth it though. It's still worth making
1: a difference in their lives, right?
0: You've made a difference in that child's life, if not, but for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And they do remember that we would encourage you uh, pray about that. Think about it. If that is something that you would have some interest in, and then you can contact your local DHR or whatever that, system is in your country, because this is a worldwide situation. These are parents that lose the child either overnight or for whatever reason. We've had situations, just to give you an idea, we've had situations where there were car wrecks. Both parents were injured. Now, what do you do with a child?
1: If there's no available Willing relative, you know, that can do anything.
0: Correct. Mm -hmm. So those are the ones that get placed for a couple of days. And that or you may not find that relative tonight, but you can call we can call DHR out at three o'clock in the morning. They'll come pick that child up Mm -hmm. and they'll put it in a safe place. And that child's needs are met during that time. And then they're reunited with that family. With either the parents or the the family members, but it's a great program, and there's a great need there. So we just wanted to share that with you, and that was the reason we were away, and we're just so happy to be able to report to you now that little Tucker is officially a part of the family. Yes. Legally. A part of the, family. the
1: only thing that changed yesterday was his name, and it was all on paper, but he's been our grandson since they brought him home the first day.
0: And we've been calling him Tucker since he came home,
1: mm-hmm. because so,
0: once they yeah. figured out that they wanted to adopt, they started calling him Tucker, and I have to stop and think about what his birth name was. Yes, I know <laughs> it, but yeah. you know it, um, yeah. it, it takes me a second to, to think about it. We do appreciate you being here, and we appreciate our sponsors, and let's mention those very briefly here.
1: For Patriot, that is your go-to for emergency, long-term survival food, and so much more.
0: Pro One Gravity Water Filter. There is a Pro One for you. It is the water filter that we use every day.
1: Also, something we use is Aura. This is an all-in-one digital safety for the whole family. They specialize in VPN, which is Virtual Private Network. So this can be your internet safety group, Aura, A-U-R-A.
0: And they do protect your identity as well. And then ProLine Digital Group, they are your custom, reliable, innovative solution for apps, websites, hosting, and digital leads.
1: Jim Curtis knives. Mark has a couple of these. They are custom handmade knives that are as functional as they are beautiful, and they all come with a lifetime warranty.
0: And the base handgun training system. This is the video-based training you need if you carry a handgun.
1: We also use Clean Start. Clean Start is a non-alcohol-based hand sanitizer and antiseptic concentrate.
0: And all of our sponsors are linked from our website, practicalprepping.info. There are some discount codes and there are some discounts built in, and it will tell you that right there on the website.
1: So, our topic is how to get started prepping without acting all crazy and paranoid.
0: Now, that doesn't mean that we're not crazy.
1: Well, that depends on how you define it.
0: Some of us came into this crazy.
1: Some of us have been crazy for so long, we're smooth at it.
0: Yeah, and I don't even know what normal looks like anymore. (laughs) Well, let's begin here. Where should preparedness start?
1: Well, we're going to tell you, too, that this topic and this episode is generally based on our book, Practical Prepping for Everyday People. It is a book that we wrote a couple years ago, and it was... Just was born out of the sense of preparedness is a common sense lifestyle and that there are ways to do so in a very practical and thoughtful, reasonable way. And that's why we do what we do, because we believe that preparedness is sensible. And we think it's reasonable. And we think it's something that everyone should participate in to some degree.
0: Yeah. And if you look at the back of our business card, it says no aliens, no zombies and no bunkers, just practical prepping. Yes. And that's what we're about. But now there are. And and we've said in the book, we've said on podcasts before, we're not going to tell you what you have to have to be a prepper. We're not going to say you have to have this equipment. Or certain
1: brands of equipment. Now, I'll take exception. Like, for example, when we're talking about lighters, we will tell you the brand names are better.
0: The, yeah, we will tell you that, but we'll give you a couple of those. But the, the brand names, we do say, a lot of times are higher quality than the cheap stuff, and we'll point that out. But we don't say you even have to have our book to be a prepper. You don't. No, it's it's, it it's does, a very
1: individual decision.
0: But our book does make it easier. Mm -hmm. If you're starting out. But now there are four things that we say are absolute must have for every prepper. And we would say every household.
1: Absolutely. We're talking about gear here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. These are four things that you must have. Period. End of story. NOAA Weather Radio. You need something to wake you up in the middle of the night. If the storm is coming, if the tornado is coming, if the wildfire is nearing you, whatever it is, you need that NOAA weather radio.
1: You also need a smoke detector, you know, and that's something we heard about when we were kids, when they first came out. The smoke detector is a very common sense thing to have in your home. And like Mark said, these things can often happen when you're unaware, you're asleep, you're busy doing something else. And it will alert you. And believe me, let me tell you, these smoke detectors have some good alerts on there. And that's just a way to save you, save your life. If nothing else, saving your life is the most important thing. But if you've got time to be able to get out and be safe and have that fire plan, then a smoke detector is a definite must.
0: And it might also give you a time to deal with the fire or to get the fire department in route even quicker. Mm Sure. Sure. The next one is a carbon monoxide detector, and this is one to wake you up from the silent killer.
1: Yes, because this one has no real smell, has no sound. It's, a, it's just in the air.
0: Exactly. You must have a carbon monoxide detector if you have gas heat, and I'm talking about a heat pump even, because those do have open flame. You can have a cracked combustion chamber, and you can have carbon monoxide coming into your house. And if that happens while you're asleep, you may wake up dead.
1: That's actually happened to some families where the entire family has been found all sleeping in their beds Mm -hmm. dead from carbon monoxide.
0: And if you have any type of open flame, like a fireplace whether it is a gas log or whether it's real fireplace, whether you have a cook stove. Even if you have auxiliary heat like we do, we have an indoor rated propane heater. It's Mr. Heater Big Buddy. It, just to tell you the one we use, we love it. It's packed in the Jeep, ready to go on our next trip. And it's just assurance that we will be notified if there is carbon monoxide present
1: because we use propane exactly with that uh, heater so it doesn't plug in it's a propane has a fan to help circulate that air uh,
0: you say it has a fan there are two models of that one does not have a fan but the other one does right. so if you're looking be careful now we really like the fan And we've seen some folks that had theirs that did not have the fan that modified it to put a fan above it to blow the heat out instead of Mm -hmm. just straight up.
1: Carbon monoxide detector.
0: We've been talking about all these things. If you do wake up in the middle of the night and there is a fire, especially if it's a small fire, you need a fire extinguisher. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have a fire on the stove. Maybe one of the kids has thrown a match in the trash can. Whatever it is, you need a fire extinguisher in the house. Now, let's talk about where prepping starts. Where would you think it starts?
1: It's got to start with your mental attitude.
0: Starts in your head. Not that you've become crazy, (laughs) but that you've decided to become self-sufficient after an emergency.
1: Well, you know, we alluded to that earlier in the intro about the last couple, three years, have certainly opened the door toward the thoughts of being able to rely on your own stockpiles, your Mm -hmm. own food storage, your own gear storage, because we began to live in a world where we began to see that stores would go empty. Bathroom tissue was unheard of. Still haven't
0: figured that one out. But But,
1: you know, that, that whole COVID pandemic, beyond the sad part of the illness of it, is that we were locked down, we were shut down, and we had to just make do with what we had. In some cases, we were not permitted to gather at school, at church, at work.
0: And Krista and I both had COVID. I've had it several times, and she and I had it one time there, the first time together. We both tested positive. We were both homebound for a week, and We didn't miss a beat.
1: Fortunately, we had a mild case. We
0: did have a mild case. But when you know you have it, you don't need to be going out. Right. You don't need to be going to the grocery store. We had everything here that we needed. We had plenty of toilet tissue. We had plenty of beans and franks and (laughs) sauerkraut and hot dogs. We relied
1: on what we had already put exactly
0: Because we have been prepping for some time. Now, Ready.gov, which is a governmental agency, uh, FEMA, mm-hmm. and basically sponsors this, they recommend a three-day supply of necessities.
1: And I think they came to that formula after some storm damage.
0: Yes, and I find it interesting that you go back into the 50s with the civil defense back then, They recommended seven days.
1: They did.
0: And they had the program called Grandma's Pantry.
1: Mm -hmm. They actually ran little commercials and little videos of it.
0: Right there, along with the turtle, the the duck and cover. (laughs) They recommended a seven-day supply back then. And maybe the three days is that's about all they can get most folks to do. But I found it interesting when we were doing the book and doing some research that at that time, 45% 45% of the households in the United States, now this is not worldwide, but in the United States, did not have three days worth of food in the house. So they're recommending three-day supply. We believe that you really need to be prepared for a minimum of three weeks. That, that's just a really good working number. If you are dealing with after a hurricane, If you're dealing with after an earthquake, it may take three weeks for things to get back up, not necessarily to normal, but get back up to where other things are available. But for some period of time, and I've seen it go a couple of weeks after hurricanes where the supply chain was down because they could not get the trucks in.
1: Well, something else that you and I have experienced is ever since inflation has reared its ugly head... And oh boy, what an ugly head it has reared in this mm-hmm. country. We have delved into our preps, and I'm glad for it. And we have encouraged you that are prepping also don't ignore your prepper pantry. If you need to go into your prepper pantry in order to stretch your meal budget and stretch your grocery dollar bill, by all means, that's what prepping is for. Do not be afraid to use what you have if that's going to help buy you some time and use up some of that pre-inflationary food, you can buy some later and replace that, but rely on it if you have to.
0: Yeah. And we say it starts with a mental attitude and that's because you've decided to prepare for your family and not have to depend on others. And
1: especially not have to depend on the government. Because the government cannot meet your specific needs at a specific time. Exactly. But your preps can put you there where you don't have to be fearful. You don't have to panic.
0: But now prepping requires some pre-planning. Right. We have to plan ahead. Buying extra groceries is good, but prepping is a lot more than that.
1: It it really means... Truly being prepared for whatever you might face.
0: Yeah, and it's more than guns and ammo.
1: It's a lot more than food and water.
0: And it's more than just buying lots of gear.
1: Primarily, I think prepping is starting with a plan.
0: It is. It really, really is. Now, we have to move forward with that plan. And the first place that we can work on is getting our finances in order.
1: That is a very important point because... You've got to be able to have a financial base in order to know how to spread out from there. If you just start buying things and you don't really have your financial legs under you, so to speak, you're going to find in the long run you're not going to be able to prep as well as you could.
0: Yeah, and one thing that we need to do is stop running up credit card debt.
1: And that's just good advice, whether you're a prepper or not.
0: Exactly. I mean, you just need to stop digging the hole deeper. And you need to pay off as much debt as we can. Now, it doesn't mean that we eat nothing but beans and rice, although Dave Ramsey says beans and rice and beans and rice. And for variety, (laughs) do rice and beans to get out of debt. But we need to be working on that getting out of debt. But number one, quit digging the hole deeper. Now, one thing you can do there is set up a budget. And I know we hate the B word. Krista and I hate the B word just as much (laughs) as anybody else. But if you set up that budget, include a prepping category. Budget some money for prepping. Now, it might not be but $5 a week. Mm -hmm. It might be $50 a week. It's whatever your budget can stand. But what we want to do here is to be consistent. It's a really good thing to have a cash emergency fund.
1: You know, you never know when you're going to need to buy a set of tires or a quick roof repair. Or, you know, some things can just happen to you that are unforeseen and they do qualify as an emergency.
0: And I'm even looking at you've got a major power outage in the area and some stores are open, but they're dealing with cash only because because they
1: can't run the card. machine. They can't
0: run the card machine. Or as I had happen one time, my bank went down for the day. Oh, wow. And I couldn't get money. I couldn't cash a check. I couldn't use a debit card. And so for that day, I was kind of locked out for anything that I did not have enough cash to cover. So we need to look at building that cash emergency fund and set up a savings plan. It can be a dollar amount per payday. It can be a percentage of the income. Again, if it's only $5, start saving some money. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, you build a house one brick at a time, right? Mm -hmm. So build up your savings, just a small deposit at a time.
0: And while we're working on our finances, we can do some other things as well. We want to get started prepping this week. If, we have, if we're not yeah. prepping, we want to get started this week. And one of the things that we can do there is start making our emergency plan.
1: And the first step in that aspect is to run what we call a threat assessment or maybe even better, a risk assessment. What are the greatest risks you and your family could face?
0: Now, for us, it's weather issues, natural disaster. Regionally, the Northeast deals with snow and ice a lot of times. They deal with coastal hurricanes on the coast. The South has hurricanes and has tornadoes. West has earthquake and wildfires. And there are others. And Texas seems to be starting to have a good snow every year.
1: Texas is getting everybody's (laughs) weather.
0: They're kicked right now. (laughs) They are. Uh, They are in the deep freeze. And they've got a lot of snow. And and we're laughing here. We're laughing because you just don't think about Texas being snowed in.
1: But it has become a very serious and sadly a deadly event. So there's three lives I know of already that have been lost, strictly weather-related because of the ice.
0: Just about five hours before we sat down to record this episode, one of our daughters, who was flying back from the West Coast from a conference, she texted and said they're delayed taking off because Dallas was at Iced in.
1: My goodness. So
0: the plane would not be able to land, so they could not take off. If you live in South Florida, you don't face a threat of major snow or ice storms, at least not so far, but we didn't think Texas would either. But
1: Well, also, consequently, if you live in Montana or North Dakota, you're not usually going to be struck by a hurricane.
0: No, no if it is we've got bigger problems yeah but now everywhere can face power outages true and that does happen every and and i think the saw on the news today that lax los angeles International Airport mm-hmm. experienced a one-hour power outage, and it shut the airport down.
1: Oh, it dominoed, you know, mm-hmm. because one hour of lost power, and we're talking about from the control tower down to the runway, one hour of of no power in an LAX-sized airport, you can imagine mm-hmm. the as they say, the mill of a the hess they had there. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I wonder how far out around the airport it might have been. But, you know, LAX has backup power for certain circumstances, but yes. it didn't cover it this yeah. time. Yeah. So, anyway, power outages can be anywhere. Floods
1: literally can take place anywhere.
0: Yep. So we have to be careful with that. You might live on top of the hill, so the flood might not get. To your house, but you may not be able to go anywhere.
1: Yeah. A flood down in the valley can stop you, can't it?
0: Mm -hmm. And here's one that anybody can face, and that's a job loss.
1: Yeah.
0: And especially in these economic downturn times, we can face the job loss, the layoffs. There have been thousands laid off in some major companies recently. And the one you mentioned a while ago was inflation
1: doesn't seem to be getting any better from my viewpoint. Now, the media will tell you that it's getting better, it's getting better, it's getting better, it's getting better. Uh, I don't know who it's getting better for, but it's not getting better in my life.
0: Well, on paper, it's getting 0.2% better, something like that, dropping. Well, yeah, these things but- have
1: a long way of... Slowly catching up. Yeah,
0: but the price of eggs has not come down.
1: That's the big joke now. Is that the they got the guy kneeling down with a, a heart shaped box, and inside he's giving his fiance a dozen eggs. Yeah, I guess <laughs> it's and expensive.
0: Saw a meme the other day where Sotheby's was auctioning off a dozen eggs. <laughs> And the egg companies have gone to using armored vehicles to deliver the eggs.
1: Well, I'll tell you listeners out there that have laying hens, first off, you're so smart, you know what you have. So whatever you're selling your eggs for, you can get a little more for them now, too, even though I know you don't want to gouge your market and your customers. But hats off to those of you that get farm fresh eggs every day because you've got a gold mine.
0: Yes, you do. And that leads us right into food shortages. We've seen those empty shelves. We have. We saw them during COVID. We've seen them since with supply chain issues. They limit
1: sometimes what you can buy. Mm -hmm. They may have what you want, but you can't buy five of these today. You can only have one. Right. So that happens, yeah. And,
0: you know, we've addressed the food shortages on several of the podcast, And we say you need to go ahead, when you see it, get it. When you see what you normally use, go ahead and stock up a few on those. Just because you may not be able to get the right snacks or the right soft drinks or the right crackers. I'm kind of picky about my crackers, you know. Yes, he is. Uh, I, I want specific crackers. <laughs> And so when you see the right ones, buy a little bit ahead. And as we saw last year, pandemic lockdowns.
1: Right. And this is where delivery companies really came to the forefront because we couldn't go anywhere, but delivery companies could bring it to you.
0: Mm -hmm. And And that that was a great market right there with with them to, to bring that into place. Really, what you want to do is ask yourself, What's the number one threat that you're likely to face?
1: And that's not going to be the same answer for everyone. In fact, for some people that are listening... Weather may not be their number one threat assessment. They may live in an urban setting where they don't have their own vehicle. They may rely on public transportation. They may walk to work or walk to everywhere they go. So, their number one thing may not be weather. It may be transportation. Mm -hmm. It may be communication. You know, so everyone, you've got to sit down and you've got to really think it out. You know, what am I? most likely to reasonably face that could create an emergency crisis in my life.
0: And I guarantee you it's not going to be aliens, zombies, EMP, or nuclear war. Those are not the most likely that we are to face. Exactly, With the exception of the aliens and zombies, yes, an EMP is possible. Yes, a nuclear war is possible. But a power outage is much more likely. Exactly. So that's what we're saying there. Let's take a break for our sponsors right here, and we'll come back and identify some hazards and some vulnerabilities.
1: A food shortage could be coming. Even in the United States, economic experts wrote at the end of the summer crop season. Farmers sense it, too. John Boyd, Jr., a fourth-generation farmer, told Fox News that, quote, we're going to see empty food shelves in the coming months, end of quote. That's why survival food is more important than ever. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots survival food kits. It's not ordinary food. We're talking good-for-25-years super-survival food, hand-packed right in a family-owned facility in the USA, and giving jobs to over 200 Americans. The kits are compact, sturdy, water-resistant, and they stack easily. They have different, delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add boiling water, simmer, and serve. And right now, you can go to ForPatriots.com and use code PREPPER to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. You'll get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order, plus free shipping on orders over $97. They're called 4Patriots because a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support veterans and their families. Just go to 4 and use code PREPPER. To get 10% off, that's forpatriots.com, use the discount code PREPPER and start building your own food stockpile today. Are you tired of the taste of the water coming from your faucet? Do you ever wonder what is causing that taste? Did you know that treated water... On municipal systems, often has residue of chlorine effect. There's also bacteria. There are heavy metals. There's a vast number of different things that can add some form of taste to the water. And in some municipalities, you can actually see a color in a clear glass. Oh, it passes the quote unquote safety test, but there's still something in there. Would you like to have crystal clear, clean, great tasting water? Pro-1 Gravity Water Filters will give you just that. We have the Pro-1 Big Plus, and we use it daily. It makes our water taste better, and it even makes the coffee and the tea taste better. Pro-1 is also our backup water plan, just in case stuff hits the fan and the city's water system becomes contaminated or shuts down. If it really hits the fan and there's no water, we can source water from a nearby creek or the river and we can run it through our Pro One filter and we'll have clean water. Pro One filters come in several sizes to meet the needs of your family. They are affordable and through December 31st of this year, the Pro One gravity water filters are 25% off and there's free shipping on all orders over $69.95. Pro One Gravity Water Filters. The link is on our website, practicalprepping.info. We all love the internet, right? We love it so much that we knowingly take risks every day while doing little to protect ourselves online. We do this because most security tools are complicated, expensive, or just plain bad. We're excited to tell you about our new sponsor, Aura. Aura is a digital safety service built for modern threats. It's an all-in-one solution that monitors and protects your identity, finances, devices, and more from digital deadbeats. Aura is on a mission to create a safer Internet. And for Aura, that not only means creating the best security tools, it means making it so easy that you'll actually use it. Keep your connection private on public Wi-Fi with one-click encryption. Quickly know if someone has attempted to use your identity or credit without your permission, with alerts to your app, phone, or email, up to four times faster than competitors. Also, Aura doesn't just catch threats, they help you resolve them. With 24-7 U.S.-based support and dedicated resolution agents, Aura's team will work with you to resolve fraud issues, even if it means getting on a three-way call with your bank at midnight. All plans come with all the features you need to stay safe, with no add-ons or extras needed. Just choose whether you want to protect yourself, two adults, or your whole family. Plus, the price you pay when you sign up is the price you pay when you renew. Aura won't raise your prices in year two, hoping you won't notice. Aura keeps their plans affordable, so you stay protected. Now for a limited time, Aura is offering Practical Prepping podcast listeners a 14-day trial, plus a check of your data to see if you've already been part of a data breach, all for free when you use the link on our website. Go to practicalprepping.info, click on the Aura link, and sign up for a 14-day free trial and to see if you've already been part of a data breach for free. That's practicalprepping.info. Click on the Aura link and sign up for a 14-day free trial. Certain terms apply. See their site for detail. Okay, welcome back. Listen, we're glad that you're here with us. We're talking about how to get started prepping without acting all crazy and paranoid. So we're going to talk about identifying hazards and vulnerabilities. We want to hit hazards first.
0: Yeah, and this is part of our emergency plan, and this needs to be written down. But what are the hazards that you face? Are there creeks and rivers that could flood that are nearby?
1: Do you live close to any type of industrial or chemical plants that could have leakage or maybe airborne Gases or vapors that may create an evacuation situation. And
0: we hear of that from time to time. Mm -hmm. And we hear where they've evacuated a mile, a mile and a half downwind or whatever. How about railroad or a highway where accidents could cause hazardous material spills?
1: Well, that's actually what caused my seven hour highway shutdown. Mm -hmm. A chemical truck had overturned and spilled its contents. It required another type of truck with a cleanup specialty, I guess you could say.
0: Hazmat crew.
1: And so from the six o'clock in the morning wreck, it took 18 hours for all of that cleanup to take place. And I got stuck in seven of those 18 hours.
0: Well, how about if you live next to that highway or if you live next to that railroad? There are things that run up and down our railroads and highways that- You don't know anything about. Well, that (laughs) will scare you if you know. And, And I know that because I've gone through- various hazmat classes over the years and it can be a scary situation and you know we can have a tractor trailer wreck just about a half a mile from here and we could be in trouble
1: well we would want to encourage our listeners to go back through some of our podcasts and find the ones that address bugging out because sometimes you've got to grab that bug out bag and Mm -hmm. go have an evacuation bag and it's something that's got to be at the ready
0: And if you live near a nuclear plant, that is a hazard that you might want to be aware of, and it'd be a good idea to have that bug-out bag. And we're not talking about the bag to go live in the woods. We're talking about the bag that would let you leave the house within three minutes.
1: Mm -hmm, Exactly. So those are some of the hazards.
0: Now, let's talk about some vulnerabilities. Now, vulnerabilities here are special concerns. These are concerns that are going to be individual to you. These are the things that we really need to think through. What about family members with special needs?
1: You know, yes, you might have an elderly parent. Maybe you've got a special or differently abled child or sibling or someone that you are responsible for Mm -hmm. that has unique and very special needs that really do require some planning and some thought or even mobility issues. Is someone wheelchair bound?
0: How about life sustaining equipment? Now, I think about the life sustaining equipment, and there are people that are on oxygen generators. They're on oxygen 24 7. I've gone into houses where there was 50 feet of oxygen tube so that that person could move yeah, around. I've seen it. All right. How are you going to keep that running if the power's off?
1: Yeah. You
0: need to think about those things. How about special dietary needs?
1: Right. There are some folks that are on extremely restrictive diets. They've got food sensitivities or outright allergies that could even be Mm life-threatening. And so you've got to have a very special plan for what you're prepping in storage and how you would transport anything that you would need.
0: How about being overweight or out of shape? Yikes. And I fit both categories. That's something that we're working on. How about medical conditions?
1: Right. There's some out there that are compromised by illness, disease, conditions, injuries. It could be any number of things that could impact your ability to be able to live comfortably outside of your home setting.
0: And even inside our home setting, some of our listeners know that I'm type 2 diabetic. Our prepping has to take that into account. You know, I do like ramen noodles. It's been a long time since I've had them. But all of our prepping does not need to be ramen noodles and spaghetti. And, <laughs> right. you know, so there's got to be things in there that I can eat that do not drive my blood sugar up because I don't want to be sitting in a situation where my blood sugar is over four or 500. And I was already trying to stay alive because of what happened. And now I'm compromising my own health with my blood sugar being high. So that's a special consideration Mm -hmm. for us. Those are vulnerabilities. And those are things that we need to think about. But while we're doing that, we need to identify some resources.
1: There's a couple of ways you can look at this. You can think about the resources that you have on hand. Mm -hmm. Something like, hey, what about a chainsaw?
0: Yeah, if we get a tree down on our property on across our driveway or on our house, I have a chainsaw. I can work on that. I have the materials to be able to patch a roof if I need to. So we can get out of trouble there. How about the resource of having a backpack Bill to build a get home bag.
1: Yeah, we talked about that on a recent podcast about some places where you can pick up a pretty decent backpack for not really a whole lot of money.
0: Oh, yeah. Thrift stores yeah. are great for that.
1: Sam's Club, wholesale clubs have some very good high end backpacks that are well made, they'll last for years and years and years. For an extremely small amount of money compared to what they would sell for in a, mm-hmm. like a fancy store,
0: and a lot of folks, and you think in backpack, also think about computer case. They make backpack computer cases, which is what I carry, in addition to my EDC bag, my little small sling bag.
1: Here's a resource that some of our listeners have on hand, and. That's a tractor is mm-hmm. you know, something that you're using on your homesteading farm. And maybe you've got some rural property that requires some kind of a tractor or a backhoe that can be a valuable resource in the event of a tree damage or mm-hmm. storm damage or just needing to clear off some land to make a bigger garden.
0: And we're not saying you need to have these things. What we're saying is list the things that you have.
1: We're giving you ideas. Mm-hmm. As part of your individual preparedness plan.
0: This can extend to... Extension ladders, it can be hammers, nails, hand tools
1: Cookware, Mm -hmm. uh, especially the kind that you can use on an open fire Which would primarily be cast iron Mm -hmm. You'd be amazed how many households do not have cast iron of any type So they can't really cook on an open fire effectively With their little you know, flimsy aluminum pots that they may be cooking with on the stove That's fine, but that's not going to be the type of cookware that you may need If you're cooking every day for two weeks on a fire
0: there's a difference in cooking and just heating stuff up true krista cooks i heat things up
1: <laughs> me stove you microwave <laughs>
0: it, well yes now i do know how to turn the stove on yes you do and i can heat a can of soup up too
1: well now, yeah now let's talk about resources that you could borrow if you had to what about that Th-
0: this is where you don't have the chainsaw but maybe your neighbor does
1: Maybe you have the tractor that your neighbor could use.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the ladder? Uh-huh. You don't have a ladder that'll get up on top of your house. Maybe your neighbor does. What are some things that you could obtain if necessary? Make a list of those items and where they might be. And then our next step here is to identify the needs that we would likely have if we were trying to get through our number one threat
1: it's kind of like this if this happens i would want to have and fill in your blank on hand Mm -hmm. so you have to fill in the blank of what's happened if a tornado has happened and you've had home damage i would like to have blank on hand.
0: Ladders, hammers, nails, tarps. Those are the kinds of things I would want to have on hand if we have roof damage.
1: Let's say you're driving around and you experience a flat tire. If a flat tire happens, what would you want on hand in that car? We will
0: need a spare.
1: And a jack, maybe. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And so do we have those things?
1: That's just something. That's just a for instance.
0: And when we're identifying these needs, how much food would we have to have on hand?
1: Well, if your family consists of one person, two persons, four persons, six persons, eight persons, you get the picture. Mm -hmm. You've really got to think about every meal for every person for how much time.
0: Right. That's a consideration.
1: And you know my favorite?
0: How much water?
1: Water, water, water.
0: Everything says a minimum of one gallon per person per day.
1: That would be a minimum. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. That's really just drinking and cooking, food prep, especially if you're doing dehydrated or freeze-dried food.
1: Yes, because those all require water to be reconstituted.
0: And we're going to need a little bit for hygiene.
1: And we're going to remember our pets, too. Mm
0: -hmm. They want to drink water. And they do drink a lot of water. These two boys drink a lot of water, and we can tell that from their litter box. So Mark and I were
1: talking about this whole minimum water thing, and we're pretty much of the opinion that we're at about two to two and a half gallons per person per day. Mm In order to also affect hygiene, this might give you a bit of a spit bath, maybe not a whole bathtub full of water, but you, would, you probably ought to journal how much water you're actually using per day. I think it would astound you. That's what I've told him. I, I mindlessly don't think about the amount of water that's available to me. I can just turn on cold water. I can turn on hot water and I can have as much as I want to pay for. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be never ending. And I'll tell you, that'll lull you into a false sense of security. <laughs> it
0: will. But to get an idea for the amount of water that we need or use, we're going through about three gallons of water per day through our water filter, through exactly. our Pro oh, One yes. water filter.
1: And we're not trying to take a bath out of that water. We're mm. just drinking and cooking with it.
0: That, that's it. I mean, it's coffee water. It's drinking water. It's mm-hmm. cooking water. Uh, You know, we bathe off city water. We wash our clothes with city water. Mm -hmm. But that's something to think What if the city turned the water off? Yeah. Or (laughs) if they couldn't keep the water on. What if they lose the power?
1: That's another one of your threat assessments. If you live where water is piped into your house from the city or the county, or if it's piped in in some way, in other words, if you're not going to a well and drawing it, then somebody could turn the water off for mm-hmm. for safety reasons or purity reasons or whatever. What or just
0: water main breaks.
1: Water main breaks. You know, so be aware, too, that part of your preps, one of your threats could be that your water system gets turned off and there's nothing you can do about that.
0: Mm-hmm. So how much water do you need? Here's one that particularly right now in the northern hemisphere is something for us to consider, and that is... How will we stay warm if the power is out?
1: And we've addressed that. We have. On several podcasts about alternative heat sources. And
0: it can be anything from a generator. It can be alternate heating sources like the propane heater, kerosene heaters. You
1: can even use a gas stove.
0: You can use a gas stove, although they say don't do that. But if you have a carbon monoxide detector... And your choice is stay warm or freeze to death, then I I would. I've done it when we, in 1993, Mm -hmm. that was a major part of our heating when we were without for seven days. But how will we stay warm? Think through those heating options the sleeping bag, the tent on top of the bed, or the tent in the living room.
1: And just layering up your clothing helps a great deal.
0: But how are you going to do that? And as Chris said, we have an episode or two on power outages which address those things. But now, regardless of what's on your list of possible threats, two things are common to every possible threat that we could face.
1: Two things that every prepared person must have.
0: Water and food.
1: Yes. It's not two single items. It's two categories. It's two categories. And I'm going to tell you, it's water and food. you were right. Water first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can do without food. I don't want to, but you can. But you cannot live without water.
0: Not more than about three days anyway.
1: You know, that's frightening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you think about that, it, You could you could lose all access to water on Friday. And literally by Sunday night, you're dead. Could be. Oh, my word. That's scary. Could be. So preparedness takes the scare out of it when you are prepared.
0: While we're getting started with our emergency plan and thinking through these things, it's okay to begin stocking up on water and food even before you finish that threat assessment.
1: Yeah. Because
0: those two things are common to everything.
1: Without food and water, any other prepping is rather useless if you're not going to live.
0: Yes. But since we may not yet know the things that we need to be prepping, but we can go ahead and start with water and food. Exactly. So that's really what I'm saying. But you don't have to buy everything at one time.
1: No, who can afford that?
0: (laughs) Not too many. (laughs) Not this gal. (laughs) But you don't have to buy everything at one time. We got started when we had a very tight budget. In fact, we got started, I think we had a one income at that point in time. Right. And we started on a two item at a time.
1: We'd like pick up a couple of extra cans of soup, you know the generic store brand, a 2 for a dollar mm-hmm. back in those days,
0: or a case of ramen noodles which was 2.99 for the case right. at the or time.
1: A bag of rice or dried beans, mm-hmm. just every grocery trip we would just pick up a couple of extra inexpensive things. Put those aside, and over time, they really began to add up.
0: They did. Now, it's acceptable if you want to buy more. We're not saying you can only buy two. (laughs) Of course not. Buy as many as you want, but at least two items every time you go. But consistency is the key. That's the key, that you do this consistently. We did it every time we went to the grocery store.
1: And of course, and we're going to say it again for those that didn't get it the first time, don't buy food you're not going to eat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If, you know, if... if
0: Just because just, it's on sale and you can get 10 cans of zucchini for $2, don't buy it. Just, canned zucchini? <laughs> uh, and
1: <laughs> You're making stuff up.
0: <laughs> well, some of you folks know I don't like zucchini. Yeah, okay? that's a tragedy. That's, zucchini just, is great. Don't like zucchini.
1: Well, the point is, yeah... Now, for example, he'll eat sauerkraut. He'll eat sauerkraut before anything else, probably. I don't really care for it, but I stock sauerkraut because he'll eat it. Now and I don't have a.
0: There's a lot of things in there that she'll eat that I won't eat.
1: exactly. But but there's we're not food,
0: buying yeah. something that neither one of us will eat. Exactly. That that's the whole point.
1: Because I shop my pantry when I need meal preps and I need something today, you know, to make dinner. I go into my prepper pantry and I pull from my own little stockpile. That's my private grocery store.
0: Yeah. One of our granddaughters refers to it as we have a grocery store. Well, it's really not that big, Ah, but uh, we can live a day or two off of it. But when she's talking about shopping her prepper pantry, she's rotating her foods because if she takes it out, she will replace it. Exactly. And from time to time, we do an inventory, or she does an inventory on that, to really have a handle on what she has in there. Mm-hmm. And that lets her know what she needs to beef up and what she can wait a while.
1: And a lot of folks get a little hung up on the what we call the 25-year survival food. We think that that's a great product to have, and there's a lot of variety. And, there's and
0: it, a really, lot of, it, yeah. it really is. It's great to have it.
1: Oh, it, it is, and we're not—we're not at all. We're the Four Patriots group. That's one of their largest areas that they sell. and We think that's fantastic. Mark and I simply state our opinion is that you don't need to stock up on that type of thing as your first
0: prep. Right. You don't want to begin with the long-term storage survival food.
1: Yeah, because if that's all you have in storage, and you need food tomorrow, Yeah. You, it, how practical is it to break into that thing now? Exactly,
0: or? exactly. Now, the, the stuff is great for what it's designed to do. It's not designed for that short-term three-day snowstorm or three mm-hmm. weeks after a hurricane or something like that. Could you do it? Yes. Could you do it? Absolutely. But it is cheaper and, in our opinion, a lot better to start with the shelf-stable things that you normally eat. And then once you get at least a three-week supply of shelf-stable food, you can start adding that in if you want to.
1: Absolutely. No problem at all with that.
0: But you don't want to have to break into it for short-term situations.
1: Yeah, that's not practical. And you know we are practical.
0: We try to be. We've covered some of this in getting started And we'll cover some more getting started ways to do things, how to do some things. We really are looking at doing that. We'd like for you, if you would, to email us. What do you like about the podcast? What do you not like about the podcast? What would you like to see more of? What would you like to see less of? We really would like to have your input.
1: Some feedback.
0: Some feedback. Yeah. And... As Krista always says,
1: Stuff happens. You've got to stay prepared.
0: And we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to Practical Prepping Podcast. You can email us at infopracticalprepping.info at or through the website. You can also find us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.